The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When everyone else is teaching you defense, Nicholas is teaching you to go on the offense. Welcome to the Health Cure Show with Nicholas St. John. Prevention is the key, and no one shows you how better. It all starts right here. Now, here is your host, Nicholas St. John. Hello and welcome. I'm your he- your host today, Nicholas St. John, and you're, you've tuned in to the Health Cure Show. Now, while it's called the Health Cure Show... I assure you I am not going to give you some advice on how to cure anything, but my focus is on prevention. Now, interestingly enough, I've done a lot of research on on prevention and how to get out ahead of these things. And so today, as we uh, cover different things, one of the things uh, that we keep hearing that just – I'm not sure this thing's going to go away for a while is, of course, Zika. Uh, the other big news was that uh, in I live in Kansas, and they just made the announcement that the the first real major flu uh, uh, outbreak has has started here. Now, when they say outbreak, who knows? That could be one person, it could be ten. But uh, that was the other news that hit this week here in Kansas that, uh, that we are now officially in flu season. Uh, ironically enough, it's about 65 here today. Um, I'm a, an avid tennis player, and I just got a text from my buddies of mine saying uh, we're going to play tennis Thursday. It's going to be 77 degrees here in Wichita, Kansas on February 18th, believe it or not. So we're going to do a little outdoor tennis and enjoy the outdoors for a while. We've been playing on the inside in a bubble, but uh, I look forward to getting out and getting some exercise, moving around, and enjoying the fresh air, and 77 degrees is almost perfect for playing tennis. But uh, again, flu season, uh, I haven't tracked it a lot, but I've been watching a little. There are some pockets of flu uh, around the country. Of course, in the northeast, there has been uh, they've been hit with a number of storms, and whenever you get storms like that, uh, there seems to always be a spike in the flu. And although these things are not directly related to the cold, what they are directly related to is our decrease in uh, nutrients of fresh air, of being inside where there's more toxins, all that stuff, which what does it do? decreases our immune system. So uh, all of that, uh, we need to understand how to strengthen our immune system. And during the winter, of course, we talked about vitamin D3. And so uh, today my guest is Dr. Sherry Tampini, who has a lot of information about vitamin D and vaccination. She's a vaccine expert. And one of the things we're going to talk about is this whole Zika thing. And already the President of the United States has gone to Congress and asked for $1.8 billion 
to combat Zika. And as we get into this and some of the other things that I've talked about before about estimates and the math models that are just crazy, saying three to four million people, they just continue to do the scare tactics. And you know, if you've listened to me anything at all, that I don't want you to live in fear. Fear creates oxidative stress. Oxidative stress suppresses your immune system. That None of that is good for you. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome uh, welcome Dr. Sherry Tenpenny in. Doctor, uh, are you on board here with us? I am. Good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Hey, I am so excited to have you here. I, uh, you know, you and I have known each other uh, a little bit over the last, I don't know, four or five years with our work with uh, Pat O'Brien, and you know, I got to know you some then, and some of the things that you were doing. But the work you're doing with the uh, getting valid information out to uh, people is just phenomenal. And by the way, uh, I don't know if I wrote back to you on any of the stuff, but there's been you've been attacked on a number of blogs, and I went back out and countered some of that, uh, just going to to try to go through some stuff logically and let them know you're. Yeah, there's tons of information out there that's positive propaganda, but who's digging out the stuff that's negative that they're not telling you that is buried? So uh, I guess my first question to you would be, what is, what is it your background, and what was it that led you to start looking at vaccinations as a potential issue? My background is a, what I call my first life was when I was a, working in the emergency room of a, of a community hospital that saw about 25,000 patients a year. I was board certified in emergency medicine. I was the director of the emergency department from 1986 to 1998. Um, did all of the conventional things with, that you would do in an emergency department. You know, you suit your people, you put in chest tubes, you intubate, you do all the, the things that a regular ER doctor would do. And I did that for 12 years. And then my business partner in our emergency medicine business died of metastatic kidney cancer when he was only 32 years old. And at that point, I said, there has to be something more to this healthcare system than just patching people up after they're broken and handing out little pieces of paper called prescriptions with words written on them called drugs for a living. And so I decided to move to Cleveland, Ohio, and I opened an integrative medicine practice in 1996. And then in September of 2000, I got a flyer in the mail to go to the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C., and I had no idea really what this was about. I mean, most of my entire adult life had been um, practicing what I would just call good, good, uh, good quality medicine. I grew up in a chiropractic family. There were three generations of chiropractors, which were my grandfather and my father and three cousins. And I wanted to be an osteopathic physician because a DO is, is comparable to being an MD plus a chiropractor because we get training in both. And when I went to the meeting in September of 2000 to the the National Vaccine Information Center meeting, I met, there were about 700 people there. I met many doctors and, and um, researchers and PhD scientists and parents and, and heard their stories of vaccine injuries and vaccine injured children and a lot of people that were in wheelchairs. And I was just 
kind of like it was jaw-dropping for me because I'd never looked into problems associated with vaccines. I, I, wasn't, a re- I wasn't a big pro-vaccine person, but I wasn't really an anti-vaccine person either. I was kind of like, yeah, well, we give out tetanus shots, and I don't think the rest are, are all that necessary in the emergency room. So I started researching, and I started with the CDC documents, the General Recommendations of Vaccination, the 1998 version, and rolled into more things and said, this was a really poorly written paper. I guess I should read some more. And since that time, I've read and put in well over 20,000 hours worth of my own personal time, and I've spent the last 16 years researching problems associated with vaccines. And so when you say that I'm an expert on vaccines, I would really rather more categorize my expertise in problems associated with vaccines because it's the things that people never look for. And in fact, my quest for putting all of these together created the Vaccine Research Library, which is vaccineresearchlibrary.com, which is more than 7,000 articles that have been gleaned out of the conventional medical literature showing problems with vaccines. I pay a a full-time researcher to go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles every week in the mainstream that we've uh, put into our collection of of problems associated with vaccines. And, And people don't even know that there's a problem. They don't even know to open their eyes and say, should I get a flu shot? They just roll up their sleeves and and just uh, willingly be injected with chemicals that could really harm them. And sometimes they'll say to people, why did you get that flu shot? And they say, well, I got it at work. It was free. And I'll say, well, if they were handing out arsenic (laughs) pills for free, would you have taken that one just because it was free? You know, there is that herd mentality, you know, of we just go along, we're, we're told, and, and we really are kind of duped into this. I mean, I, I did an article on anti-vaxxers and, and vaccinations on, on my website as well, and those signs are everywhere. I mean, you drive down the street, at, you know, here in, in Wichita, we have Dillon's who has a pharmacy in there, so they have their signs. There's one one by each driveway and one of the gas pumps and one as I walk in the door and two when I get inside that kind of just leads me over to the pharmacy for this this flu vaccine. And, you know, when I talk about it in my, my talks, uh, I tell people at least ask them what's in it. You can't go buy a can of peas without the FDA telling you what is in this can of peas and then yet the vaccine, they will go and without even questioning it. And it's like, you know, there is something about the medical community that we're almost – we almost get to a place where we're afraid to ask uh, the doctors. And so they had, that, that stigma comes with it. Uh, in your findings and in what you've found, you know, I know you're, you've got a lot of the research. What is it that your recommendation is uh, to people – about what to talk to their doctors about, and, and when I talk, I talk, I ask them how many people got a flu shot this year, and uh, it's it's about twenty twenty five percent typically in most audiences that I talk to. So, what do you, what is your experience, and what do you kind of do to lead into you know, start to question these things? I think that what you just said is a is a really really good place to start knowing what's in it. If your doctor can't name off the ingredients that's in a vaccine and can tell you the pros and cons, the potential side effects, and what the downsides are, then you are not getting truly informed consent. 
you're just being railroaded into the very narrow spectrum of what physicians know about vaccines, and you haven't bothered to ask. And, and I think you're right about when you said about the can of peas. I mean, people who are all into organic and vegan and, and only eating holistic things, I mean, they'll read labels for every possible thing that might be in um, something from Whole Foods. They want to know what the labels are, but they don't bother to ask what's coming through that needle being injected into my child or into me. And physicians are in kind of a unique position in, in, in a not-so-good way. For example, it's very easy and commonplace and, and expected for physicians to speak out against the overuse of antibiotics. In, in both humans and in animals. It's, they speak out more about the overuse of antipsychotic and antidepressant uh, medications and are some of those medications making some of our teens and kids these days be more violent, aggressive, and suicidal. We speak out against the overuse of OxyContin and all of the addiction problems that's happening now. But if they try to speak out against vaccines, it's like the entire world descends upon their head. And they're, they're, they are accused of being anti-science, anti-life. You just want to make people sick. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a quack. And what that does then is it shuts down any conversation about vaccines that may lead them to be safer, maybe the schedule to be safer. Maybe should we examine some of these ingredients? Do they really need to be in there and change some of the, va- the uh, manufacturing process? There is no room in the conversation about vaccines. In fact, I think that from, um, I don't know if your audience or you are familiar with the concept of neurolinguistic programming, but neurolinguistic programming is that you've trained your brain and you've trained brains to respond in a certain way when you hear a word. And I think through the mass media, through television, through um, uh, the radio, through, uh, through the Internet, vac- the word vaccines or vaccine or vaccines or vaccination, maybe even immunization, but for sure that word vaccine has become a trigger word. That as soon as the word is said, people are immediately polarized immediately into anti-vaccine, you don't believe in vaccines, you don't trust them, you think they cause harm, or pro-vaccine, they're the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity, and everybody needs to get every vaccine on time, no matter what. And then there's this big gulf in between that there's no room for constructive dialogue on either side because we shut it down. As soon as somebody hears the word vaccine, they have an opinion, and, and their brain shuts off, and they're not even open to hearing the other side's opinion. You know what? That's exactly right. That's what I ran into on that blog that I was talking to that guy, and he was running these things to the, to the nth degree. It's like the third rail of medicine when you talk about that. Listen, we have to go to break, so what we'll do is we'll continue this conversation. Uh, this is going to be so powerful. When you get when we get done with this segment, uh, I believe that people are going to be empowered and, and knowledge is powered, and we want to take back our health care and our health, and, and getting that knowledge is one of them. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be back with you just in a couple minutes. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Nicholas has a free newsletter that you'll look forward to receiving. This is not your typical fluff-filled newsletter. It's filled with hard-hitting TV and radio interviews, articles, and blog posts that most others are afraid to put into print from a well-balanced and unbiased perspective that you'll find overwhelmingly refreshing. By subscribing to the newsletter and taking action, you'll be joining the team as this grassroots effort to take back our healthcare system grows with calls to action that can have tremendous ramifications. Go to immunitycrisis.info forward slash newsletter dot html or text the word crisis to 82888 and sign up for the free newsletter. That way, you can stay up to date and make sure you know what dangers are lurking and learn how to protect yourself and your family from them. You can also get Nicholas St. John's latest books at the immunitycrisis.info website. Join the team. The future is now. Visit immunitycrisis.info today. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is the Health Cure Show with Nicholas St. John. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to nicholas.stjohn at gmail.com. That's N I C H O L A S dot S T J O N at gmail.com. Now, back to the Health Cure Show. Yeah, and welcome back. Uh, we are, I've got, my guest is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and we are talking about vaccines and really the, the downplay and the, the friction that happens between uh, those who question vaccines, whether they're really necessary for everything. And, um, you know, I just got a card. I've always wanted to, to get the newsflash. And I was thinking about this the other day. Really, the news flashed this just in. Vaccines are not the only method to protect people. Okay, there are other ways. Now, if that was the only way, we'd probably lean more towards vaccines. But there's so many other ways you can strengthen your immune system. So in, uh, we, when we left off, uh, Dr. Tempany, we were talking about the, it being the third rail and how it polarizes people. And when people get ready to go talk to their doctor, uh, we talked about you know perhaps asking them what's in this, and so what is what are the things that are in these vaccines that we that we don't know about, and you know may, have they lied to us? Have they said oh this isn't in there anymore, and you find out later on that it is? Well, it, that's one of the things for sure about um, uh, about say mercury. 
I mean, several years ago, there was this big organization and a big push about the mercury moms, and they were determined to take all the mercury out of the vaccines. And actually, they pushed and, and got Congress to act on that. And Congress told the pharmaceutical industry to take all of the, the and, and to stop manufacturing vaccines that had mercury in them. And that was in 2004. They didn't push a, a product recall. They didn't say take every single thing off of the market that has mercury in it. We don't want it there injected into a, in, into human, a human body. It just had to go away by attrition, which means they used it up and then they didn't make it anymore. And most of the vaccines have um, mercury taken out of them, but some of them have still a reduced amount of mercury. It was used during the manufacturing process and then it was stopped. It was, um, it was somehow extracted out. And I always say, like, to me, that sounds a little bit like um, if you were making vegetable soup and then you decided at the end of the vegetable soup before you served it, you were going to pluck out all the green beans. I mean, <laughs> how, how do you make sure that 100% of that is out and is out in every single serving of your vegetable soup, so to speak? There wasn't a trace of green beans in it anywhere. And, in, and as a matter of fact, mercury still is in the flu shots. We still have a full dose of 25 micrograms of mercury per shot in a multi-dose flu shot. So the healthcare workers are still getting mercury. Um, the, ch- the children that start getting flu shots at age six months of age that get multi-dose vaccines still get mercury. So it's sort of a big scam that mercury really isn't out of all the vaccines. Some of the other things, of course, that we hear about a lot are like aluminum. And aluminum has a lot of... Um, uh, are in a lot of the vaccines and aluminum, particularly when you combine it with um, when you combine it with mercury, that's two metals. And when you t- put two metals in a liquid medium, it ends up it changes the, the chemistry in your bloodstream and it changes what's called the zeta potential. And when you change the zeta potential in the bloodstream, it's it's changing the uh, the charge on the cells, which change the way that cells take nutrients in and the way that cells extract or poop poop waste out. And so that whole system starts to change when you put a combination of mercury and aluminum in. There are things like cells from aborted fetal tissue. There are bovine extracts, which many of the vaccines are made in a serum that comes from the lymph of, of cows. And they have never been able to get all of the viruses out of the, out of that cow serum. And they're known to have um, uh, viral contaminants that cause illness and have been shown to cause illness in humans. There's kidney monkey kidney cells. There are uh, there's chicken cells. And in the in the eggs that they use, they call them um, for for that they use for uh, things like flu shots and um, MMR vaccines and things that they use uh, eggs for. There are stray viruses in there that have been shown in some of the scientific literature to turn on genes that can lead to breast cancer. And they've never been able to get all of those viruses completely out of the avian serum. And like you mentioned, the formaldehyde, there's MSG and the flumis vaccine, the one that they squirt up your nose. There's polysorbate 80 that is, that's in the DPT vaccines and in the Gardasil vaccines that have been shown to cause ovarian atrophy and, and um, um, infertility in female mice. And there's borax or boron, uh, borax in the Gardasil also that has been shown to cause testicular atrophy of the Leydig cells in male mice. And the Leydig cells in the testicles are the ones that produce sperm. 
There's, there's toxic antibiotics like gentamicin that are toxic and uh, can be inflammatory to, to young kidneys. And then the one thing that we don't hardly ever talk about is the fact of how more than half of the vaccines still have latex in the stoppers. Instead right. of using something called N-butyl um, rubber, which is completely inert and has been available since the 1960s, some of the vaccine stoppers still have latex in them. And if you the, have the luck of the draw that you just happen to get the manufacturers that have all of the latex still in the stoppers, children have the potential of getting 19 injectable latex exposures by the time they're six months of age. That's crazy, and yeah, I mean, you just listed a bunch of things. I mean, I knew a lot of those. I'd heard about, uh, you know, the the bovine stuff, and and of course, then there's the squalene that's uh, in. They've started putting in these, and a lot of people don't know what uh, what squalene is, and the the Gulf War syndrome, which was the poor guys. I was in the military, and I remember in boot camp, we walked through a line and talk about toxic overload we got you know there was a guy on both sides of us with these air shot guns giving us vaccines and so we got like eight or ten or twelve of these things all in one shot walking through this line with guys going bang 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 and they said oh yeah you won't get sick from this and of course most of us did uh, because it was just I mean we were just overloaded with this stuff and I went to a a kinesiologist, and he did some tests on me, and he came back and said, you had all of these vaccines 30 years ago. And I went, you read that <laughs> somehow for the energy of my body that you identified that I had all those in this one time period, and he was exactly right. It had whatever the heavy metals and all that stuff was still in my body reading back to him. So mm -hmm. it, one of the things they did in mercury, because I went in and did some research on it, you know, and they've come out saying one of them's a methyl mercury, another is an ethyl mercury, and so, do you know anything about the difference between those two? It's irrelevant. That's what I thought. <laughs> you know, mercury is mercury, and you know, one is in the environment and one is in vaccines. It is still the most toxic um, uh, heavy metal ever created on the planet. It was a great way to distract um, the entire focus against the problems that was being caused by mercury and, and the mercury that's in thimerosal, which is a compound of mercury and other things that were in the vaccines. It was just a great way to make a distraction, make a lot of noise, and deflect the conversation away from the the the, Ill, the injuries that these children were getting. They were saying, oh, you know, there's such a big difference. There really isn't. And when you really talk to people who really understand the chemistry, like, you know, Dr. Boyd Haley and, and some other other biochemists, they're like, it, it's still a poison. It's irrelevant. It was just a way to minimize everything. It's like everything that happens in the vaccine industry, every time there's a problem, they will come up with some other reason why the vaccine was not the, the, the cause of the problem. I mean, I'm sure that you know of people or have heard of people or maybe know people personally that have gotten a vaccine and within one isolated vaccine, not a group of them, but one, like a flu shot or a Gardasil vaccine or a, 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 like Minactra, a, you know, which is for meningitis. So they, they would get one vaccine in isolation. And then in a very short period of time, within a matter of days or weeks, they start developing all of these complex and difficult symptoms. 
um, you know, a wide range of things. And they end up going to these doctors who do every test that they can conceive of to prove that they have something wrong with them rather than just saying, you know what? You got that vaccine. You probably reacted to some ingredient in there. Let's make sure you never get that vaccine or any other vaccine that has similar ingredients injected into you again. We'll just write it up like a medic alert. Because if you had had a shot of penicillin and ended up with a rash or anaphylactic shock, people would wear medic alert tags the rest of their life of no penicillins or associated drugs. It's never that way with vaccines. Never. Well, exactly, and that's, like you said, it's the third rail. For some reason, these guys just won't touch that. Listen, we've got to go to break here in a second, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about the Zika virus and the fast track, all the problems that come from fast tracking uh, vaccines, and again, they're trying to shove this uh, Zika thing really down our throats and fast tracking vi- uh, vaccines for us. There's, you know, they're saying everything from three years down to 18 months, and and I just saw a thing. A company, India, says, "Oh, we already have one." So when we get back from our break, uh, I want to talk to you about Zika and the fast track of vaccines and and really what we what you think we can do about it and how we can get the word out to help protect people. So we will see everyone on the other side of the break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skincare Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Nicholas has a free newsletter that you'll look forward to receiving. This is not your typical fluff-filled newsletter. It's filled with hard-hitting TV and radio interviews, articles, and blog posts that most others are afraid to put into print from a well-balanced and unbiased perspective that you'll find overwhelmingly refreshing. By subscribing to the newsletter and taking action, you'll be joining the team as this grassroots effort to take back our healthcare system grows with calls to action that can have tremendous ramifications. Go to immunitycrisis.info forward slash newsletter dot html or text the word crisis to 82888 and sign up for the free newsletter. That way, you can stay up to date and make sure you know what dangers are lurking and learn how to protect yourself and your family from them. You can also get Nicholas St. John's latest books at the immunitycrisis.info website. Join the team. The future is now. Visit immunitycrisis.info today. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the Health Cure Show with Nicholas St. John. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to nicholas.stjohn at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S 
stjohn at gmail.com. Now, back to the Health Cure Show. All right, and welcome everyone back. We've got today, our guest is Dr. Sherry Tempe. And before we get any further into this, I want you to know she has a great library uh, at her website, Dr. Tenpenny.com is one of hers. Um, Dr. Tenpenny, if you would give that address where people can go get all this information that you've compiled so they can know what a lot of these dangers are. I know you compile a lot of studies and research papers and all that stuff. Well, that's at, re- that's at the vaccineresearchlibrary.com. So the URL is vaccineresearchlibrary.com. You can sign up for two weeks free and get hundreds of articles on MMR and pertussis and aluminum. It's a subscription site right now. It's, sub- it's subject to change in the not-too-distant future, but right now it's a subscription site, which is, is $9.98 a month or $99 a year. And what that does is it, it, it provides you convenience, ease of sorting, and we've been through tens of thousands of journal articles to find these. They're a little bit like needles in the haystack because I have a full-time researcher that's worked for me for four years now building that. And so, it's, um, so you pay for the convenience. And what the fees actually do is just actually go into a fund to support paying my researcher. <laughs> So, um, you know, it helps me to keep um, her having an empl- having employment, and every week we add anywhere from twelve to fifteen new articles out of the out of the um, um, mainstream medical literature every week. So that's vaccineresearchlibrary.com. If people go to Truth Kings, which is a sister site that I participate with, truthkings.com is like daily news that's really hot that I think everybody would like. There's another sister site that that I participate with. It's called vaxter.com, V-A-X-X-T-E-R.com, and it has really up-to-the-minute vaccine articles, on, and, and you can find those on their individual websites, or all of those have Facebook pages, too. Great. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone, I can't recommend highly enough uh, going and getting uh, on her sites. Uh, the uh, subscription is worth every penny of it, the information that it, you really – you could not spend enough time and find the information that she has because it just gets buried in the overload of an onslaught of all the documentations out there, and so – the, those, you know, the, what I call the authorities, don't want you finding this. And so she has uh, paid a researcher to find this and then post it to her site, and she's taken all the struggle out. So it's worth every penny you're going to spend on on that subscription. So please do and, and support her, and, and it, it will help. It will save lives. It will save – and I talk about – not having to put yourself in a position where you feel helpless and hopeless that one of your kids is injured and you have nothing you can do about it. So we don't want you to feel that. So you need to get knowledge and learn about what you can do there. Uh, when we left off, I wanted to talk about the Zika. That's what's really dominating the news, and they're going to fast-track the vaccine. What do you know about uh, fast-tracking vaccines? What have you seen historically, and how, how much of a disaster could this be? Well, that's a whole article. I hope people will go out to Truth Kings and read that I wrote um, a couple of days ago. It was took a fair amount of, of time to write it and put in all of the references on, on what fast-tracking is all about and what that really means in terms of, of um, that the pharmaceutical companies one more time get complete liability protection from this vaccine. Um, in, in by the what was the 2006 PrEP Act here in the U.S., 
It means that if they develop a, a vaccine that is for an emergency or some sort of a known bioterrorism attack, the, not only does the pharmaceutical industry have complete liability protection for a faulty product, even if that product kills you, because you would have to show in, intent. You would have to show that they, inf- they developed a vaccine intentionally to kill you, and then you would have to get the U.S. Attorney General's office to agree with you for them to go to bat with you against the pharmaceutical industry. So, they, so it's not like an accidental death thing. It's, it's not no. accidental. It's, it has to be intentional. So they, you, have to, you have to prove that it was intentional. Oh, my gosh. Who and wins so, those? What's that? Who wins those? Does anyone ever win those cases? Well, to date, there haven't been any cases that have come up because uh, who would even bother to try? What, I right. mean, how, how would you ever prove that, the, that Merck or a Venice or Santa Fe Pasteur or any of the, the big um, heavy-duty vaccine manufacturers sat in a lab somewhere and concocted something that they, they put together to intentionally harm you because their business model is, no, we make this to keep you safe, safe and right, we try to protect right. you. And so, um, but it's, they, the fast-tracking is, is that they, if they see a need and there's a bioterrorism attack or like the World Health Organization came out and said, this is an international medical emergency, the very next day, please go to truthkings.com and, re- and put up in the search, uh, up in the search, put my last name, Tenpenny, just like it sounds, T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y, search it and read the two articles that I wrote there. One is all about the politics of fast tracking and how it actually works, and the other one is looking at the combination of pesticides and the MNR vaccine and the whole cell pertussis vaccine that was given to those women early on in their pregnancy. Well, you know, and, and that's one of the things for Zika down in Brazil. Uh, last summer, they started mandating the Tdap for 22-week pregnant women and earlier. And so now there is some suspicion that that is either triggered or in conjunction with the Zika virus getting uh, infected with the Zika virus. And it may be a combination of things down there because they've got the larvicide uh, down there that they started putting in the drinking water. There's been the male mosquito GMOs that were supposed to stop dengue fever and get rid of the Aedes uh, mosquito, but backfired. Imagine that, right? When was they ever, when did they ever do something that didn't work exactly like they said it would, right? And then com- combine that with the Tdap uh, for pregnant women and and the Zika virus, and all of a sudden now we have microcephaly. And while they're blaming it on Zika, it it may very well be a number of things. And uh, after what you talked about, the things that are in uh, like these Tdap, which aren't, you know, the one of the organizations came out and said that uh, the 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 group down in Florida, most of those people were all that ended up with whooping cough. They were all vaccinated. There's like five out of 117 that weren't if they had a major outbreak. And so they're saying, oh, look, we may have to give this every two or three years. I know. And like I said earlier, you know, the vaccines are never blamed for anything, ever. ever. Right. I mean, it, it, has, it, it, it can't be the vaccine. It can't be the fact that we gave all of these women, you know, uh, they gave in that particular province, they, they had vaccinated 39,000 women of childbearing age. And they, the, Merck, uh, vac, uh, the Merck package insert actually even says that 
you should not get pregnant within six months. Now, the World Health Organization and the CDC say within one month, but the manufacturer says don't get pregnant within six months of getting this MMR vaccine, which has three live viruses. And by the birth dates of these children, you knew that many of them had, the, the mothers had gotten pregnant during the time frame, during that first six months. And congenital rubella is blindness, deafness, and microcephaly. And so were those fetuses exposed to the live rubella virus that came through the vaccine as part of their syndrome of microcephaly? The second thing is, is that during the uh, around 21 to 22 weeks, as you were saying, which is about, four the, uh, about the fourth or fifth um, trimester, they were given a pertussis vaccine that was the whole cell pertussis vaccine, which we stopped right. using in the U.S. in 2005. And, and whole cell pertussis causes encephalopathy, which is inflammation of the brain. The brain. So right. if you've got the measles, the rubella vaccine, the whole cell pertussis vaccine, and then you toss in a little larvicide and insecticide, and, and Brazil is the heaviest user of pesticides of any country in the world, we are now seeing the ramifications of, of all of these big companies playing God and manipulating, info, and manipulating chemistry and using humans as guinea pigs. It's coming home to roost. So in your opinion, when this migrates into the U.S., which you know, doc, even Dr. Oz said, there's going to be 3 to 4 million people infected with Zika over the next 12 months, although the same mosquito that carries dengue fever and chikungunya, there's been no in the, in the wild – Outbreaks of chicken gun, even though there's been 750 imported cases, and that mosquito is primarily in the southeast where there's swamplands, high humidity like Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas. Uh, what what is your thoughts about? It, see, what do you think we're going to see of, of Zika in the United States? I don't think States? we're going to see anything. We have no idea what the background infection is of that virus even already being here. I mean, you can't find what you're not looking for. And so if you're not looking for Zika because there was no reason to look for it, because um, 80% of people that, that become infected with that virus don't even know they have it and have no symptoms. Right. They don't even get a fever, and the ones that do have a symptom, it's a mild fever and a small rash that lasts less than three days. And the virus has been around, it was discovered in 1947. And so who knows virus. how much how much of Zika virus has been in this country. We don't have any background data. And now suddenly they develop a PCR test, which isn't a very accurate test anyway. Right. And they start testing people, and they find it, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we've suddenly been invaded by this virus. <laughs> we have no idea. It may have been here for 30, 40, 50 years. Well, and between 47 and 07, there was some 60 cases in 60 years. So it's not like it's really virulent. It's not like it's going to just – I mean it should have exploded by now, and whatever reason it's broken out in Brazil, uh, that's – you know, there's something but, particular about that. But it may, have, it may not that. have broken out in Brazil though, Nicholas. Well, I that's mean, right. The virus may have been around for a long time. It's in the same family of viruses. We are now – it's sort of like saying there's a robbery going on over here on the left, and everybody goes, look to the right, look to the right, look to the right. <laughs> Because right. they, all of the robbery that was happening was the pesticides and possibly the MMR and the whole cell pertussis vaccine. Well, we can't look at those because Monsanto
Monsanto is, isn't it owned by a Venice, I think, now? It's owned by one of the big pharmaceutical houses. And we can't look at that. We can't look at pesticides because we can't blame them because better living by chemistry, as DuPont says. <laughs> right. We can't blame the vaccine. So we got to blame this virus. And, and so now we're, everybody's ignoring all of the commotion, all of the robbery and the, that's going on in the left because everybody's distracted because they're all looking at the right and they're blaming this little virus that may, that's probably been around forever. I mean, the president of Colombia came out and said, we had 3,700 women that gave birth that had known Zika virus infection, not one single case of microcephaly. Uh, right, so right. I was reading the same thing. My research showed up. We do have to go to break. So on the other side, I do want to get into this. How, how Talk about ways that, that we can help people protect themselves in the case of this mandated uh, vaccine thing that's going rampant from you know state to state. And now some 17 states are doing it. So we'll see you on the other side of the break and we'll, we'll get into that. How do we protect ourselves? Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nicholas has a free newsletter that you'll look forward to receiving. This is not your typical fluff-filled newsletter. It's filled with hard-hitting TV and radio interviews, articles, and blog posts that most others are afraid to put into print from a well-balanced and unbiased perspective that you'll find overwhelmingly refreshing. By subscribing to the newsletter and taking action, you'll be joining the team as this grassroots effort to take back our healthcare system grows with calls to action that can have tremendous ramifications. Go to immunitycrisis.info forward slash newsletter dot html or text the word crisis to 82888 and sign up for the free newsletter. That way, you can stay up to date and make sure you know what dangers are lurking and learn how to protect yourself and your family from them. You can also get Nicholas St. John's latest books at the immunitycrisis.info website. Join the team. The future is now. Visit immunitycrisis.info today. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the Health Cure Show with Nicholas St. John. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to nicholas.stjohn at gmail.com. That's N I C H O L A S dot S T J O N at gmail.com. Now, back to the Health Cure Show. All right, and welcome back. I'm your host, Nicholas St. John, with my guest, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. And one of the things that as I was doing research on vaccines and then, of course, this whole thing about state after state, I think there's 17 states, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, uh, doctor, that has now taken away personal religious exemptions for those kids that are going to school, you can't even go to school if you don't have these vaccines. Is that right? No, I don't think that's right. I think there's 17 states that may have introduced legislation, okay. but that it hasn't been passed. 
Now, has California passed it or not? California is the only state that has passed SB 277 was their bill. They are the only ones that have that are now reverted to the status of exemptions, the same as West Virginia and Mississippi, which is you can only get a medical exemption and only if it's signed off by a doctor and only under certain conditions. Now, part of the SB 277 bill, it actually kicks in at different places. And so if you're listening to this and you're from California, you really need to go read the bill. It's not that complicated. It's written in language that you can understand. Now, I believe there may be, I don't know the exact number, maybe 17 other uh, uh, states that you're thinking about that have tried to or are in the process of introducing legislation um, to stop vaccine exemptions. But I can tell you with a, a, a very high level of assurity that after the national election goes away come November, that's in, beginning in 2017, the pressure to take away vaccine exemptions will be like un- unlike anything we have ever seen before in this country. I can assure you of that. Well, that the problem with that is that it leaves people feeling helpless and hopeless that they could do something to protect their kids. And while I am totally against mandated vaccines, uh, back during H1N1 swine flu back in 0809, I had a number of friends ask me, Nicholas, would you take if it was mandated? Would you take that vaccine? And I said the only way they would administer it to it is if I was unconscious, face down on a cold cell floor at the you know at the county jail because I would not voluntarily give myself for them to inject me with this stuff. Back in '76, more people died from the mandated uh, H1 swine flu vaccine that was mandated back then that were that actually died from the flu itself so in our last few minutes here uh dr thomas levy is has written a number of really great books one of them is curing the incurable vitamin c infectious diseases and toxins and when it comes to toxins We've already heard from you that there's all kinds of toxins in this stuff. So it sounds like a reasonable approach and logical approach to protecting ourselves would be to strengthen our immune system way beyond where it is today. And so in in research and 70-plus years, we found out that sodium ascorbate is it's a water-soluble, it's a nutrient. Most people know it as vitamin C. And Dr. Levy wrote a protocol – of giving increasing vitamin C doses, especially for kids that are going to have that have to get these vaccines. Uh, do you have any experience with that, or what are your thoughts about boosting and strengthening our immune system before these kids have to get vaccinated? Well, I wrote about it in my book that I published in 2008 that to use vitamin C and vitamin A three days before, the day of, and three days after. There's a protocol in my book. Um, on the, and the book is Saying No to Vaccines that you can buy on Amazon or you can contact our, our office and, and buy it through our website, drtenpenny.com. Um, and, it, and of using vitamin C, vitamin A, three days before, the day of, and three days after. Now, there's no... Um, scientific study that's been done with that. There's been no um, double-blind placebo control um, study to show that that's going to completely protect you from getting sick or completely protect you from the onslaught of the vaccine ingredients. But it certainly will increase the your the the um, functionality of your white blood cells called macrophages 
to go out and gobble up the toxins that have just been injected. And the vitamin A will certainly boost up the resistance and and shut down some of the cytokine storm that that may come from the vaccines. So I don't think there's any, there's any scientific, um, absolutely uh, verifiable proof, but there certainly is empiric evidence knowing how vitamin C and vitamin A act in the body in the presence of, of infections. Well, right, and toxins, and like I said, do, um, Dr. Levy wrote the, the book, this book, Curing the Incurable, and, and he does cite a lot of studies and personal experience of toxins, and Dr. Klenner, where he put rat poison, which is a toxin, into a test tube, and so that's uh, in vitro. They did, uh, and he put in vitamin C, and 72 hours later, there was neither vitamin C nor the, the rat poison was in it. It had changed the state so it was neutral. And so there are studies like that, and while he talks about 1,000 milligrams, one of the problems is when if, – if they still have an adverse reaction, uh, there's a, such a thing called, uh, uh, called megadosing vitamin C. Well, you can get liposomal C and take that, and it gets a lot more of it into the bloodstream that can counter that. I think people need to know that there, if there's an adverse reaction, that there are places to turn to with uh, naturopaths and integrative medicine and nutritional uh, folks that will help them get more of this stuff into their system so they can combat it. Well, like I said, I, I, I think that if there's no other choices and you're faced with mandatory vaccination, that I think that that's a, a very good protocol to try and do. But you can't guarantee that that's going to keep people from getting a vaccine injury. No, no, I, you know, you're right. And we can't and they're not about to go out and do a double-blind study test to prove us right. <laughs> right. But not going to happen. It will do your best to keep you from, you know, it does the best that we have available. And there's probably other nutrients and other things out there that you can do. But, um, I, I, you know, what we really need people to do, Nicholas, is not figure out a protocol of how to keep themselves from getting injured. We need all boots on the ground right now fighting for our, to retain our rights. Rights, yes. We need everybody to go to uh, nvicadvocacy.org, sign up for their alerts in your individual states. We need you to get in contact with your state representatives and say, I elected you to represent me, and I do not consent, and I, do, I don't want you to be writing laws to force me to consent against something against my will. I mean, we, have an, we started an organization here in Ohio. It's Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. It's Ohio amf.org, Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom, because we wanted it to be more about your right to refuse chemotherapy if you didn't want, if you wanted to go natural routes and, and all sorts of different things. And so um, we, we were trying to encourage people all across the country to start their own advocacy groups in their own states. Get involved. Drive down to your state house. Find a champion. Get on their side. We have been trying to pass a flu shot bill here in the state of Ohio, and we're getting traction with this now, and it's a good bill. And what the bill is very simple. All it says is that if this bill is, is passed, it's HB 170. If this bill is passed, it, that an employer may not fire fail to hire or discriminate against an employee who chooses to refuse a flu shot. 
We've right. been working on this now since March. We put together a committee of 30 people. We pulled in people from Campaign from Liberty to train us. We've gone to, down and testified several times. We've been working with the committee chair to give them information to try to pass it. And we want to get this passed because we hope it will become a model legislation to be used across the state. These are the types of activities that we need to be encouraging people to do rather than trying to just figure out what to do in case you are mandated to get a vaccine. Right. We need right. to get ahead of the curve and not allow that to happen in the first place. You're exactly right. Listen, we have run out of time. We could have taken another hour on this. I so appreciate you being on the show. That this has been great, and people can go back and listen to this later. Uh, we do have to sign off, uh, but uh, thank you so much. This has been extremely valuable. I hope it's helped everyone. And again, you can come back and listen to this later and get get more people to come in and listen because this is archived and you can listen to it whenever uh, you need to. So again, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You bet. And folks, uh, tune in next week. We've got another guest. We're going to be talking about the flu from a medical perspective and see what he has to say as you join us next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Health Cure Show. Be sure to join Nicholas St. John again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Learning to stay healthy this week and every week because the future is now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 